Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. With more and more movies easily available on streaming services, it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where JJ and I, your virtual video store clerks, sift through the shelves to help you discover new favorites. Today is September 14th, 2021, and Tommy is joining us to discuss The Kill Team, which is currently available on Amazon Prime. This is the 2019 film, not the 2013 documentary. Uh, that documentary we may discuss a little bit, but we're going to focus on the 2019 uh, film. Yes. Uh, and because what's available on streaming services can change, it's possible that by the time you are listening to this show that it is no longer available on Amazon Prime. You can easily find where Kill Team is streaming using a service like JustWatch.com. And if you're on Letterboxd and have a patron or pro account, JustWatch is integrated into your account. So when you look at the Trailer Rewind watch list or Trailer Rewind episodes list, you can easily see where a film is currently available. If you don't have a patron or pro Letterboxd account, you can get a 20% discount discount if you head over to truestory.fm slash slash letterboxd. Remember that's L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D because there's a shortage of vowels. So yes, let's take a look at the trailer to see what the kill team is all about. 
Gentlemen, whoever's making these has an answer for the deaths of 24 American soldiers in the past 12 months. And every day we don't find them is another day an American soldier could come home in pieces. I want to make a difference. Hey, Dad. Things are really taking off for me. <laughs> How do you like it, Coach? Bloody. Caveman. So, gentlemen, what's the play? Relationship building, Sergeant. Is he serious? Now, who's ready to have some fun? I just keep thinking about that kid that we killed today. What do you think it's wrong? Yeah, I do. You kill one of theirs, you save ten of ours. You're telling me that's not right? You think that man was innocent? He didn't deserve to die. They're cooperators. Andrew, tell me what's going on. You know that anything that happens out here stays in the family. Hey, Briggsy, do me a favor. Go get the targets. Do you think we're gonna shoot you or something? <laughs> You're trying to do what you think is right. The problem is, you don't even know what right means. Leave me alone. You are alone. Andrew? I don't know what to do anymore. Do I do the right thing and put myself in danger? Or do I just shut up and deal with it? You give me your loyalty, and I guarantee that each and every one of you will have a chance to be a warrior. To actually be a part of history. Ready on three. Three, two, one. That trailer. So... What is this trailer selling on this one? That's what I want. You know, what what are we getting out of this this trailer with this one? Because last last time we had uh, we had a bit of a discussion about the differences between a trailer presenting one thing and the film delivering something else. So let's start it. What do we really feel like this trailer's going to be selling us on? I think this trailer is pretty straightforward. I think this yeah. connects to exactly what the subject matter of the film is. I. Uh... I, I, I didn't expect to see anything different. If anything, it makes uh, it it, it uh, misrepresents the Deke's character, the sergeant character, and makes him seem a little bit more gleeful than he is, as opposed to terrifying. <laughs> but um, but uh, but uh, and that's just in the trailer uh, because I think and I think you'll get that when you watch the film. But but really, the the point about you know the the the, the scary stuff that is the subject matter of this film is is pretty well documented in in with this film. It's it's selling a movie about some terrible stuff that happens in war. Yeah, and it's selling. I mean, hey, number one, when you come out of the trailer, you're like, war does seem fun. <laughs> um, and then it is also very much selling the whistleblower yes. dilemma. Right. Yeah. Um, the big line being uh, when he's talking, you don't know, I don't think in the trailer, but when he says, should I do what's right? Yes. Or just shut up yeah, about right. it. Should I do what's right? Put myself in danger. And yeah, shut the up phone call. It. They and have so, that moment um, in, in the trailer, too. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it is, I think, setting up that sort of suspense aspect of the film of there's it's really presenting there's there's some tension to this film jj this is the third war film that we're talking yeah, about you this. guys have been war crazy uh, you love our, it you love we do. Well, this is the thing with the first two we said these aren't really war films they're in a wartime setting but they really aren't about war did we finally get a war film with this one? I guess, yes. What this movie made me think about is if there's any war movies that make us feel good about war. Um, and I couldn't really come to one. I was thinking maybe all the way back to Glory, where I made, felt like at least there was a righteous purchase and purpose in what they were doing there. But um, but yeah, this feels like a war movie, but it's definitely talking about some of the terrible stuff that happens in war and terrible stuff that we did, meaning this country did in Afghanistan. I would think it's a guerrilla war movie. What do you mean by that? Things have devolved into just, I mean, with the guerrilla warfare, it's non-traditional warfare. The lines between uh, enemy combatants and non-enemy combatants are completely blurred. Civilians get thrown in the mix, and it becomes a little bit more um, all anything right. goes. Well, I, I kind of feel like that, that, that it comes along the line with a lot of movies that I put in my war movie category. I guess the guerrilla war, I thought you were saying something different, but like I think about something like Apocalypse Planet Now or, or Platoon or Full Metal Jacket, and they always bring in that sort of side story of 
of what's happening in the surrounding area and right. that kind of thing and what we're doing to the people that don't necessarily belong belong or are a part of the war, I should say. Um, right. So I don't know. I mean, I guess that that's why this movie felt so much more like a war movie than our last two, Steve. Well, I think this one also gets into a little bit the psychology of the troops in terms of young men that, you know, 19, 20 years old going over there and what their expectations are of what it's like to be in war, which comes from like Call of Duty games versus, you know, as, you know, as, as, you know, they're sort of told, just go over there and do your job. And that's, you know, the job isn't to go running around shooting and killing everybody. It's we've got a specific task to do, whether it's, you know, helping build schools or wells and diplomacy and all that. But that's not what these guys are trained for. That's not what their expectations are. And to me, that really gets into the culture of war that the media has created, that, you know, we've created these expectations and then what that does to people when they're put into just, you know, routine, boring jobs over there, but are told that they're, they're warriors. And I think that gets to, you know, Deeks at the beginning when he, you know, first, you know, shows up of, I'm going to give you the opportunity to be warriors. And these guys are just amped up for that because that's, that's not anything that they've had an opportunity to do. So for me, it really feeds into that what are our expectations of war versus what is the reality of war and it really delves into that so for me yeah this is a a war movie not like it's not really a glorification of war i think we've moved past that into really the the complexities of this is you know as tommy said you know sort of the guerrilla warfare of we've got just ordinary people you know you don't know who your combatants are in this uh in this case where would you so would this go squarely on that war shelf in the video store would you say yep i can put i can put this alongside pat and i could put it alongside platoon is you know where where do you put this is this where you know your your you know your customer comes in some guy comes in you know mid-30s looking for a good war movie and you'd be like oh yeah i'm gonna find it right there on the on the shelf or is this something you'd say no we maybe need to put this someplace else because of the what what this does for me while it doesn't have satirical isn't quite the right word maybe sarcastic it's closer for me to something like three kings or jarhead okay where it's yeah. really talking about the new okay. war yep. that we have where the war is really fought it used to be fought in fields slowly marching yes. towards each other and now it's fought with buttons and then throwing people in uh, that are not trained to nation build to try to sort of do that when all of the um, ROE, all the rules of engagement are completely unclear now. And so I think it, invo- it, yeah, it belongs next to those where it's really a postmodern relook at war, what it's become, and probably just why we shouldn't be in so many places. Yeah, I, I agree. I think something that involving the current events or the current wars, something that it's, it's more recent, or something that it, it could go with other... Uh, Dissolution, other f- that's the word. For, or, or other war films that are based on a true story, this kind of thing. Because that, that's one thing about watching the documentary, which I sure. did do as well, is it's really rooted in the reality of, 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 the, of the record. Um, yes. And I think, um, I think that makes this, this movie different than some of the others that we've mentioned as well and could put it alongside some of those others that have at least a basis in a true story. Yeah, yep. no, I, I like what you said uh, sort of about, you know, being disillusioned with war, sort of the, the postmodern war. It reminded me of if any of you have read Catch-22 of just the absurd, yeah. the absurdity of oh, war of it. when you get on the other side of that, of being able to look back and just how absurd things can be. This goes much I think in our more contemporary wars, we, we get into much darker, disturbing areas in the films, at least. And so, yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, Three Kings is a great example of something that would fit alongside this really well how i mean overall how do you you know how do you feel about this movie i mean this is not comfortable subject matter but is this a film that you're going to recommend to somebody i mean again taking into you know consideration the subject matter and, and who you may you know is this one that's worth recommending to somebody is this a valuable story to be told does it have something important to say is it entertaining what are the what are the things that you look at and say yeah i enjoyed this this experience of watching this film well for me i put it right in the middle so i gave it two and a half stars i it 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 didn't really move any any direction for me it it i i understand why movies like this are made 
I don't think that I'll rec- recommend it to anyone unless they, they really want to see something about the atrocities of war. Um, I understand why people make these movies. I don't understand why people go to watch them. And that's kind of the hard part for me. So it was two and a half stars and a no like for me uh, on my flick chart. It, it kind of it, it, it ended up in the bottom half a little bit. Um, it, it was it was better than Tesla. It, it was one above <laughs> Tesla and and one below the Congress, which I think is interesting. Um, wow. the, you know, two trailer rewind movies. But it was in one ninety five out of 267 and it, 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 for me I, again I don't think it's a bad movie by any respect I think I get why it's made and I and definitely now watching the documentary I think it has a purpose to things too I have no idea who I would recommend it to unless it's someone who really wants to see sort of the real portrayal of some really terrible things that we're doing or we have done in Afghanistan Tommy um, I'm not flick chart and I are in a real big fight okay no that's <laughs> so fine I'm not on flick no, chart that's, you don't need to be uh, but I respect this movie more than I'd enjoyed okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I think as a movie and thematically it has some problems that we maybe that's not for now. Maybe we get into mm-hmm. that later. You can let me know. Um, but I'm glad the movie exists. I think it is an important story. I would recommend it to um myself <laughs> because I have taken uh, I've been taking these UCLA courses, as I've mentioned, ad nauseum. I don't know if I've, I've never mentioned it on this one, but I've been taking these UCLA history courses. And to know, um, one of the things that I brought up before we started the show is I took a recently this summer, I took a super fun beachy course about the Holocaust. And one of the takeaways, of course, from any kind of Holocaust course is that for horrible atrocities to happen, all it really takes is for a bunch of normal people to do nothing. And that's what is at risk of this movie. That's the kind of thing that is in risk of most good war movies. Uh, the idea of where does morality lie in warfare. So I wish this movie had a little bit broader of a viewpoint or a better insight into a lot of characters. But I am glad. I'm really glad that I saw it. And I'm really glad that Trailer Rewind exists to put this on my list because this was not I completely missed this. Uh, completely to say the word, say word twice. Um, so, but no, like with friends and stuff, not a lot, probably just, yeah, it's weird because it's not really a war film. It doesn't give you anything, but just a whole bunch of really disturbing scenes <laughs> and d- depressing scenes one after right. another. And dramatic. With some There's a lot of suspense. And, yeah. Um, but yes. that, but and not in a way that is. At least one outstanding performance. At least one outstanding performance, I thought. Maybe Star- Sarsgaard fans. No, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, yes, and uh, yeah, this was one that I'm not a big war movie person, but this one because of and we, you know, we're not getting into spoilers right now, but I think the trailer even sets this up of you know going to your point, Tommy, about all it takes is a good person to not do anything, and that's that's where right. you know Brigman is placed in this you know decision of he sees these things going around on around him, and should he stand up for this, but. It, at the risk of his own life, is that, you know, the right thing to do? I mean, risk his life to, to say something or to just stay safe and, and let things go and, and play out. And that, that moral dilemma makes this a really intriguing film because it's, it's really confronting the audience with some, some challenging questions. And as I, you know, stated earlier, just about the nature of war of what are we doing when we're training young men to behave in a certain way that doesn't really match with the job expectations, you know? Right. So we, we've got this stereotype of what is expected, but it doesn't align at all with what goes on over there. And that is, I think something that's really worth thinking about that the film delves into. And, you know, as we get further into our discussion later on, JJ, we could talk a little bit about the documentary and the, the aspects of the, that. The documentary really well. focuses on that aspect. The, yes. the idea of infantry and does infantry belong in those types of situations. Yes. Yeah. So I, for me, because of that, I, I thought structurally it worked really well. It's a short film and went very quickly for me. I felt the pacing, everything. I was just fully engaged with this for me it's take lots of breaks so anytime someone's sneaking around someone else's bunk i'm like okay i'm going to come back in 20 minutes this is too much for me i feel there were a lot of those moments so for me yeah you're not going to like my new film bunk sneakers (laughs) (laughs) this one ended up at three and a half stars and a like for me on flick chart it ended up i've been just ending up with lots of things in that middle zone so it's at 345 out of 769 
nine. I'm sorry, three fifty six out of seven sixty nine. Uh, so JJ put it just above. Please stand by that we talked about oh, wow. just a little while ago. Yeah. Um, so right there, I don't think it came up against it. it just sort of landed right above it. Right. Uh, so it's it's right in there. And I'm trying to think what else to give you context around and Snowden, <laughs> Snowden is up at 349. So just a few spaces okay. above that for another, you know, sort mm. of what does war do, the military, all of that. So it's, sure. it's middle-ish, you know, 55%. So it's, it's nothing that, uh, I'm going to watch multiple the times. That we accept. Is that what, is that how you would describe that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's something it's, you know, I, it's again, works really well not my cup of tea totally but i think it's it's definitely worth recommending to people and uh it ends up with some very interesting rank as we've been seeing the discrepancy between the number of ratings between letterboxd and imdb we get something similar here because over at letterboxd this has a rating of 2.9 so just you know a little bit lower than middle based on only 2311 reviews very small number of views over at imdb yep. 6.0 uh, 4,300 ratings over there. So still not a lot. A lot of people have not seen this movie, which I was really surprised. I thought on IMDb would have a lot more ratings, maybe because it came out in 2019 and people just weren't up for something, some heavy subject matter during 2020. I, you know, I don't well, know. There's really but not you... any big names. It is a 24. Well, so you have it is that, but I mean like... There's Alexander Skarsgård, you've got Nat there wasn't Wolf, a whole who's a recognizable face. It. No, that's yeah. that's true. But I figured, you know, Skarsgård, you know, Nat Wolf, who looks really familiar, and I couldn't place him. And then I remembered, oh, it's his brother that everybody has seen, Alex Wolf. And then I was trying to remember, why did these guys... Oh, I like Nat Wolf. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I do, too. And I didn't know that they were these, you know, young young you know stars of uh what was it a movie or tv the naked brothers band i did not you know i remember hearing mm -hmm. about that way back in the day and so now they've hit their adult but careers. you compare this cast to like yeah. the cast of the yellow birds oh like, yes it's, it's yeah. more shocking that people haven't seen the yellow birds than have than, than have not seen this because how would people find out about this movie is the real thing yeah trailer rewind is doing a service to people to actually find out to find out about this movie because i would have never known about it had had, yeah. had we not done it for this, this no show. it's it's one that you know this is you know being on Amazon Prime. Thank you for your service, Trader. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and Amazon, yeah. you know, Prime, your you know, their algorithm and search, you know, it's not something you may likely stumble across unless right. you're delving into to war films. Well, it's all that's coming up for me now, Steve. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are our recommendations. Is this a movie for you? Well, you can check out The Kill Team over on Amazon Prime. If you're still not sure, we're going to dive into a conversation about The Kill Team. But before we unearth the truth, we need to give credit where credit is due. Trailer Rewind is a member of the True Story FM Entertainment Network. Please check out all the great podcasts over at truestory.fm. Our episodes are engineered by the wonderful Pete Wright, and our intro music is Duda by Ian Post. We're going to dig into this a little bit, um, but JJ, I do want to talk a little bit about the documentary yeah. first because mm -hmm. it really it what's very interesting about this is the documentary which was in 2013 is all about everything that happens after this movie ends basically the the film from 2019 oh, really? is really the the actual events the documentary really deals with the trial and everything of, of what happens oh, wow. after you know and as those yes. events come to light i mean there are flash i mean there is footage going back, but it really is this time frame is what's happening to all these young men as they're, you know, when we get their stories. And I was, I honestly was very impressed oh, with how much that. the pieces that I got out of the documentary that I could just map right on. It was, there were it's a, exact. Few, I mean, a few that's... pieces that may have been fabricated or that they added in or tweaked a little bit, but I'm like, oh, that's. Yes, he's saying that. I remember that scene exactly. Oh, it, it starts with, you know, something going on with their their sergeant stepping on an IED and, you know, they get a new staff sergeant that comes to it. All of those pieces. I couldn't believe how well structured <laughs> the, this, this the real life story was. The only things that were was. fabricated were yeah. some of the 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 dramatic suspense because the, so yeah. much of the stories are yes. exact pulls from the documentary, yes. including 
uh, some of the Facebook Messenger stuff, yes. which I think is really interesting. I mean, like yeah. literally word uh, for yeah. word from the yes. documentary. So, you know, uh, one of the questions that we would ask is, you know, what is this film trying to accomplish? Because the film came out in 2019, I, I honestly think that this is really sort of a dramatic retelling of the trial story. And, and all of the different sort of uh, evidence and anecdotes that we got at that trial, that's what they wanted to do with this film was they wanted to give us a dramatic retelling of it. I th- it, It's so exact that I actually find it strange that all the names are changed in the film because you yes. get to the point where – so evidently no one gave permission for it, which seems really strange too because yeah. you would think that they would want this kind of stuff – some of them would want this kind of stuff to come to light. But – um but it is exact. I mean, the stories, the stories that, that are told in the film are, are word for word, which you get in the documentary. So that's really interesting. I wonder if it's an armed forces clearance. Probably. It, it, it may be. Yeah. So Dan Krause, who wrote and directed 2019's The Kill Team, he was the director of the documentary. So clearly, there you go. that's where I see so much because he spent so much time with Adam Winfield, who's our true life, you know, sort of. Brigman. Brigman yeah. at this point. And again, you even look at the casting as I was as I was watching the documentary. And I thought I can see why you cast, you know, Nat Wolf as as yep. Brigman, because there is a, a lot just in their physicality to that. But it was it was very refreshing to see that connection that it what we weren't going to take a true life story and just dramatize the heck out of it to make it the, the most compelling story. There was so much good material to start from, uh, which as I was watching this documentary unfold, I, it was even more, I don't know, disturbing to me, knowing that the dramatization is probably the closest thing to actually, you know, true, the true life story of what actually happened with a few, you know, there's dialogue that they have to fill in all that, but beat by beat, this is the story that's, that's laid out in the documentary. This is just a, a dramatization of it. Uh, and that, yep. that is what impressed me in terms of, putting together a film that is still entertaining and being able to balance that because too often you see the, the desire to stay true to the facts ends up in, in poor drama. It, you know, it, it doesn't translate well. And, and what you describe here is, is, end, is what kind of comes up as what I end up disliking about the film and disliking about the documentary is that both of them kind of sit on opposite sides of what I want this story to be, which is where we have the dramatic film in 2019 taking those actual accounts from the documentary and putting them on film, but then inserting suspense and drama to give us the feelings that are associated with it. So because it's based on a true story, I want to root myself more in the true events and not sort of get compelled emotionally to what gets in the dramatization. I understand the purpose of doing that in the film, but that's what I end up not liking because it's based on a true story. And then the documentary does a lot of things that are a little bit cheating in terms of a documentary where they set up a camera and they have the parents standing in a window having a conversation about what's happening. And it's very clear that they're prompted with questions of talk about how you're feeling, talk about what this means, what this day is. And that it, it ends up putting too much drama in the documentary part, too. So what I want is somewhere right in the middle. The stories are dramatic enough as they sit. So I don't need the infused drama of either medium. I need something that sits in the middle to really understand the true story. And you get that, a sense of that by watching both. But ultimately, I get a little frustrated when thinking about the purpose for making both of these things because unfortunately I feel a little bit manipulated when it's such a terrible thing that happened. It's such an atrocity and it, and it comes to light and these men are convicted appropriately. So why yes. did you, embe- and it's not embellishing. I mean, it is, but it's, it's not, it's dramatizing and I don't need that. I need the, I need the truth. Right. And that sits mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle and that's hard to do as a filmmaker, yes. but ultimately yeah. that's where it, that's where it becomes difficult for me to watch the film because it's taking liberties that I don't want to see when I want to know what the real bad that happened here was. That's really interesting because I feel the same way and I didn't see the documentary, but the dramatizing Mm -hmm. parts of it where I knew that, Oh, now we're more in film Mm -hmm. territory than any kind of, that was some of the, when I think I said that I wish the film had a more insight or a broader Mm -hmm. scope, the film becomes very one note to me. It becomes that scene in every gangster film when they ask you to sit in the front seat and someone Mm -hmm. sits behind you and you wonder if they're going to kill you over and over and over because there's, and and then there's only so many times you can do that and 
put in a nightmare sequence where right. <laughs> like I'm going to start losing interest. Okay. Yeah. Like I'm, it makes, the, it makes the story for me feeling much smaller than it is because it feels like they're having to pump up something out of nothing when the ground was pretty. If fertile. I was Brigman or I, Winfield, the, the, the point that I want to ask that guy is why not just like quit? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, right. because of that one note that you're talking about, Tommy, because he's constantly like when we get to the scene where they ask him to go retrieve the the targets after they've already really inferred the fact that they're going to mess him up. Like I, I've gotten so far that I would have left. I would have walked out into the desert, right. you know, months <laughs> before this. <laughs> And it's like, and I say that, and I say yeah. that, you know, kind of flippantly, but, you know, the Yellowbirds, the film sure. that we just did, yeah. what, yes. that actually happened. And we know that yeah. there are stories oh, really? of where, yeah. where these people have gone through this kind of thing. So it's, it's like the added pressure of this, the dramatization became that sort of one note difficult thing where I'm just going, just tell me the truth because I can't handle the, the suspense here anymore because it just doesn't make sense to my brain. And and he goes into a Sarsgaard's yeah. bunk oh, and he looks, yeah. we, yes. we already kind of know what's in that right. thing. And then, of course, he's right of there. Course. Like the thing, the thing, it's all just too written right. in a movie that feels very underwritten admirably at a lot of times. But the suspense stuff is just a little bit of a hammer on the head. What saves a lot of that for me is how interesting Sarsgaard yes. is. Yeah. Sarsgaard or Sarsgaard? What are we saying? Sarsgaard, yeah. There's, There's a, a K, K. Yes, there yes. Is. and the K is not no. because him coming in to be like, oh, let's let's get that up, let's put yes. that on the bed. Like he's making, whether it's in the script or not, he's making really interesting choices. And now I'm going to have to threaten you, and I'm sorry oh, to have man. to do yeah. this. Like, that scene, wow! You're waiting for him to go to Arlie Emery the entire yes, time, no, but he from just Full Metal Jacket, more... and he just doesn't, and he doesn't. And that's so, so effective. But the thing that's, it's, that's so really effective. interesting is in the documentary, that's how the actual sergeant was. That he, you know, so the, the, uh, they're, they're, you know, so the case of I believe it. The, the one, the one, you know, I sort of ratting everybody out about smoking weed and all of that, that, that happens. And he basically they find out who it is. And he said, you know, basically has this very calm conversation of like, okay, you, you know, this, this is what's coming. And this is, you know, and it's, it's that just yeah. so calm that, 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 that I believe it speaks to the insanity sort of underlying all of that. There's the world of crazy that's be, <laughs> being hidden behind that. But yeah, seeing that it's crazy. just cause yeah, because the, even the, the fingers, you know, when he comes in to basically show the box <sighs> of, you know, fingers again, rooted in reality, the actual Sergeant was keeping fingers cause he was going to make a necklace of, of finger bones. So, I mean, this, so this gets to the point of your, your point, Tommy, of, yeah, why, you know, we're hitting this one note. And I think that is the one piece that I think in both, you know, doesn't come out as strongly is the, 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 and that maybe in the documentary, it's hit on a little bit more of his desire of, I really believe in the American military. I, the, there are heroes, there are good people. And I feel like there should be people here that are going to, be on my side to call this out. And so if I just, you know, I, my dad's working it from the other side. And if I just hold out long enough, somebody's going to come in one day and just, you know, be like, we, we know what's going on. You're safe now. And I think that's the piece that doesn't come across enough in the film is that, that balancing act of yeah, your life is threatened, but he's feeling that there's, there's some redemption coming. If he, he, he's, he's fighting the good fight. And I think that's the, the balance that doesn't come across enough. Cause I did feel that the same thing by the time he's going to retrieve the targets, right. I thought shoot yourself in the foot and get out of there. You just get, get out of there because there, there's so much anything, threat, you know, anything all, to get all, out. Yeah. all around. Right. So I think that is the the one piece. But yeah, and, and uh, like that is actually a better thing yeah, than what yeah. I suggested, than the quit, than do the psyche valve. Like <laughs> literally just shoot yourself in the foot. Why not at this point? Yeah. It's but that's, so much better than right. dying. <laughs> and I, I mean, this is a this is a few good men, right? I mean, yes. that's what we're doing here. This is a, a different part of the story from a few good men. Like how much, how many times are we going to have to experience this film before something's done to sort of protect these kids. I, I it's uh, sorry. I mean that's a weird thing to feel right now because we know what happens, we know that this is going on, but it's just so tough to watch again and again and and realize that these kids are are fearing for their lives in their own groups, in their own community that they've established. It's just ugh. 
it's, it's hard. Well, so I want to balance that that out because you know when you you know because we're talking about this staff sergeant who's just a lunatic, right? I mean, he's you know setting up you know these murders, all this stuff. But I'm, I'm going to come back to a scene early on as we're you know as we're first learning about you know Deeks and everything, and we talk about you know they see the. Deeks' is scars guard. Yes, so they, they're in, they're you know working out and they see the skulls on his on his on his legs. You know, there's you know the six blue ones and the six red ones, and we've got this. We Tattoo, have the tattoos. Yeah. yeah, not actual skulls. You know, <laughs> tattoos. Are we are we in the part of the podcast where everyone has seen yes. the movie? Should I yes. stop yes. pointing yeah. things out? No, we're got all it. okay. Yes, we're all my apologies. we're all there. Go ahead. I mean, or or they want to find out more. Uh, so we're in spoiler territory and everything here. Um, but yes, so we've got that scene in the, in like the, the bathroom where the, what guy's locker room? Sh- shaving his yeah. head and he's like, let me tell you a story about Deeks. Uh, so I want to go to that, that clip here. Cause it, to me, that is an important piece that sort of balances things out. I'll spit it out for you. What are you trying to say? He killed like what? 12 fucking dudes. <laughs> You don't win war zip time, people. I was with Deeks and Ramadi. This one day, he was on the checkpoint, saw a gunner. Had a car coming right towards him, crammed the towels. Like fit I ain't? Nope. Family. Mom, dad, little kid, the whole fucking deal. They wouldn't stop, so. Jesus fucking Christ. Fucked up, right? <laughs> Wrong. Opened up the trunk, 100 pounds of HME stuffed in the fucking suitcase. Went off the barbecue, the whole goddamn platoon. That's how depraved these fucking animals are. Incinerate their own kids just to get a few of ours. That's why we need guys like Deeks. Fucking hard. So, you know, this is, he makes the solid case of why you need people like Deeks. That's how messed up things are. And it creates that balance of, yes, your moral compass may say he's crazy, but the world is a crazy messed up place. So we need need people like him to keep people safe because if we all just abide by the rules, we're, we're going to be killed. And to me, that created an interesting dynamic of everything. And what's I found, JJ, I don't know if you noticed this in the documentary, that story is, they mentioned that story as well of... This is this is a story about him where he's just he's on the road and a car comes along and doesn't stop and he shoots everybody in the car. Right. That's, so the story that's is the word story for word. There. Yes. Accurate. Right. But but I want to mention that even in the documentary, it's an anecdote as well, because we don't know yes. that it's true. We don't know that we it's just true. know that it's the story that was told. And the point I you make a good point in that it's a balancing thing that we that, we can see the redeeming quality of having a warrior like Deeks, like this psychopathic uh, sergeant uh, leading yeah. people but it it still is not enough balance for me i mean the hard part for me in watching this is that i'm a pacifist i mean and so i yeah. don't i don't understand <laughs> the, the nature of war from either the the the, the car with the family driving yeah. up with the bomb in it or the people that need yeah. to shoot the family to make sure that the bomb doesn't go off so it's hard right. for me to see any of that but yeah i, I understand it as a counterbalance but then everything else about this character's behavior is completely insane throughout the film. I think what that quote. What oh, that I shouldn't say everything. Emblem- Hold on one second, because he does have a relationship with his child. And they do bring <laughs> that up as well, that he is a dad and he is kind to his child. Other than that, everything else at war is psychopathic. OK, Tommy, go. Daddy got more fingers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't know what, 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 what he was yeah. always saying. I think what that scene, more than showing the we need guys like Deeks, that's mm-hmm. what the character on film says. I think it's more emblematic of just the impossible situation that we're putting young soldiers in when they're fighting a guerrilla war where civilians are uh, related. And to JJ's point about it being anecdotal, in the white bus of justice at the very end, what's his name? Skarsgård yeah. does say, I've been through yeah. this before. I know right, how to handle right, this. Yeah. And we've seen him planting multiple things on multiple people. We have no Good idea point. what's the truth as far as that yeah. uh, thing is. But I mean, it's just the, it's an impossible situation where morality is so quickly thrown out of the window because when it comes down to things like 
revenge, when it comes down to things like your own life, when it comes down to things like the character in that even says, um, that's how depraved these effing yeah. animals are. Ugh. Incinerate their own kids. The level of dehumanization yes, right. that happens almost immediately, uh, it just all comes together as this perfect storm of horribleness. Oh, yeah. It, but- where it's really hard to know who blame almost at times isn't appropriate. Yeah, but, right. Because it's all right. And the, it's when war. I think the story, yeah. you know, the story that we're given is really interesting because of the way you can, the, the, the rationale of, of these young men who at the very beginning lose their sergeant, you know, steps on a mine Correct. or whatever. And so Deeks comes in and, you know, they these guys are hurt and they just lost their leader. And so you've got somebody that comes in who's going to be strong and say, okay, this is actually our mission. There's guys making these devices that, you know, have killed 24 men in the past, you know, several months. We're going to go find them and we're going to, we're going to do something about it. And these guys are hurting. Yes. Here's our chance to, to take that anger, that frustration, that pain and do something with it. He's clearing the fog. He's clearing of war. the fog of war. Is what and he's doing. He's, he's giving he's, you. A he's path. older, more experienced. You've almost, you know, for for Brigman, it's almost like here's, you know, exactly because his father was, you know, in the Marines at a desk. Here's here's a man of action that he can look up to, and you see that dynamic as well. So it makes sense why these young men would fall in line with. Here's somebody who's done this, been been around, is experienced, and knows how to get things done. And we're feeling frustrated and hurt, and we need to take. We need to do something to hurt somebody else because of this. And that's, you know, so interesting the way things fall together for me, because I can see exactly, you know, I can empathize with what these men are going through. And that is, there's, you can say, yes, you know, Deeks is the bad guy, but he's that, that crazy evil genius where he's not just evil for evil's sake. He has a rational, justifiable, you know, argument for his position. You may not agree with it at all morally, which, you know, clearly I think we can all agree with, but you can understand his logic, you know. Well, he makes the case uh, the, for torture, right? right I mean, yes. he's, he, oh, yeah. he makes an interesting case later in the film when he says, you know, they all say they all say they don't know where the IEDs are buried, but they, they're never stepping on them. You know, and 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 that's the 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 nature of people who believe in torture as a way to get information is that you only will get the information if you torture them. But I think that there's yeah, that that's such a false oh, yes. uh, argument. But it makes it, it but says, it makes sense why it yes. would be attractive. right. And I don't yes. agree with it, but I know that I mean I know that people on either sides of that debate can bring up statistics to show that we need torture to get information. And the other people will say the information that you get when you do torture is not good information. So it's one of those things where, you know, that's the case for it. And that's where he stands. You learn in the documentary that that sergeant maintained even after being convicted to life in prison for his murders, he maintained that every one of the murders that was part of the trial was actually instigated by the Afghani person. He maintained that even while just, going to, yeah, to prison. They were justifiable murders. Yeah. Which is exactly. just like, yeah. oh gosh. Wow. Yeah. It's but, just a tough, but that comes you know, to, tough the, to figure out where you sit. The point of when you, you tr- put people through training to kill people, what do you expect that they're going to do when you right. you do everything to dehumanize them or a lot, give them the tools to dehumanize the enemy? Yes. And give them all these weapons and training to kill. Why are we surprised when that's what they do? And I think that's sort of this underlying question, you know, to this film of it. Should it be a surprise that, you know, things like, you know, this kill team happen when they're over there? Um, and, and to me, that's what makes this a really this is a movie I want to encourage people to watch so they can have conversations like this, because, I mean, as we're, you know, recording this here in September 2021, we're, you know, on the other side of this of pulling out of, you know, leaving Afghanistan and all of the arguments and everything about what a mess that was. I mean, there's nothing that's been clean about any of this from beginning to end. And now we're looking at, you know, OK, everybody coming back. What is that? 
what is that like now for for people and what what happens over there in the middle east there's already conversations about you know how quickly things shifted as soon as we announced we're we're leaving with shifts in power and all that so what was really accomplished over there those are you know those are topics that are going to be de- debated for months and years and we you know a story like this gives us some insight into what was the cost to all these men that were over there and what did we do to them you know right and to your point about training and outfitting people with this, even on our home shores, we are seeing what happens when we outfit our mm-hmm. police forces like with the, the military. Of war. Yes. Yep. And then how do they act? How are they expected? And then send them in as peacekeepers. Right. I mean, it, it's an incredibly timely, incredibly timely that we've been having for like over oh, 10 years. It, yeah. so, it's, yeah. it's, so, it's so terrible to call something timely when it's like, Throughout my yes, lifetime, right. it's been yeah, fairly the documentaries from 2013. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, about events that happened in 2010 and 2011. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. By now, we should have like a snack team. Yes. <laughs> we don't need more kill teams. Right. We need snack right. teams. The first sergeant. That's that was toy, the first sergeant. Toy right. Team. Yeah, that's, that's right. Chocolate that's right. team. Yeah. Yes. He was yes, like the candy exactly. team and, and wave and yeah. wave. And that's what you do. And you give them candy. That's what their yeah. job is. Right. He understood that. Um, but yep. it, so to get to that, you know, speaking to that point about what we've done to our troops that, you know, I want to touch on another scene, which is after, you know, the first, first murder, you know, Rayburn, you know, and, and Brigman has that conversation with him, you know, to basically, you know, what, what was that like? And it, I thought, okay, well, this will be interesting. And then it went into a very interesting little story that, you know, I, do, I had not heard before, but it, I thought it was a great context Hello? for the psychology of the kill team. Hey, man. <sighs> yeah. What was it like killing that guy? Did you ever hear of a conscience round? No? Okay, so my dad... He was like this major history buff. And... You know, he told me that in 18-whatever, they used to execute spies by firing squad. But you see, occasionally, the shooters would freeze up and couldn't pull the trigger. So they came up with this idea. They would load one of the rifles with a blank. And the blank, that was the conscience round? Yeah. Now, nobody knew which gun had the blank. It doesn't matter. You see, once you put that one blank into the mix, suddenly it's not, I'm shooting this person, it's... We're shooting this person, it's all of us. And that's the key. It's the group. See, once you figure that out, you can shoot anybody you want. And never lose a wink of sleep. I knew, I think that this part of the film is the most important part of the film. And I think that this speech has the most to say and the most insight about what is happening in situations like this. I had heard about that. Uh, that doing that in firing squads. Also, there were times that we had uh, uh, electric chairs set up with three switches and only one of them would be a kill switch. We've kind of used this idea of a conscience round throughout history in different ways. Um, why I think it's the most important is because it talks about, and again, <laughs> did I mention I took a class about the Holocaust? This is what it takes that when group dynamics can really change personal morality. This is what war and being a part of a team like this can, when it's very easy to not be in the situation and to look on it and be incredibly uh, condemning and easily judged, whereas personal responsibility really gets erased when you're a part of a team because there's so many dynamics involved with... um, Wanting to uh, please your father figure, which, I mean, yeah, what's his name? Skarsgård becomes Rob Morrow 
hey, Rob Morrow as Brigman's real father, where's your sense of urgency? He's like always answering the phone in like a bathrobe. <laughs> like, get the CID on the line, brother. Like, what are you doing? He's like, are you sure you're okay, Andrew? It's soup, soup. He's so, and I hated all that. Um, but just being there on the ground and wanting to do one of the biggest things in when you're in any kind of a team, kill or not, is wanting to do your part, needing mm-hmm. to do your part. Not because, partly because you could be seen as a coward otherwise, or because you they really instill an idea for you that you don't want someone else to be having to do your dirty work all the time. So I think this is the most insight that we get about this phenomenon in the movie. What did you guys think? Well, I, I mean, it's, it's I guess the, the thing that I think about is this concept of plausible deniability. It gives it gives everyone this kind of out that says that, well, I wasn't the one that killed it. We were. And that's what Rayburn says in right. the moment. And I I think your anecdote about the, about the Holocaust and, and, and how this, you know, this psychology affects people in groups, I think, is, is totally spot on. I think that 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 it happens and we need to f- figure out ways yeah. to make to stop it from happening because we were giving each we were giving people conscious rounds to be able to inflict terrible things to lots of groups of people right. and there's there's got to be a better way yeah it reminded me of going back oh several years in the trailer rewind to uh the experimenter yeah, if you remember, that, which, oh, yeah, I watched that. again of that whole, you know, that whole ex- Milgram, Milgram experiment. Or... Yes, exactly. Have you got to got increase it. the electroshocks? You know, because the person there is telling you, nope, you need to keep doing this, and so you dissociate. I, I'm not doing it; they're telling me to do it. I'm just the the tools. I'm, and, right, it's a lab. Yes, code. Exactly, and the same thing yeah. here. Of yeah. I'm not the one shooting this person. That, the, the team is doing this. And so it's not, I'm, I'm just one part of this. And so it's not my decision to do it. And that it's that type of psychology that allows, yes, these horrible things to happen. Uh, and, and that's, you know, the, for me, again, that's the strength of the movie is that it, it delves into those questions rather than just, you know, I, I will, you know, again, concede Tommy's point of there is a, lot of overdone suspense of are they going to get him are they going to jump him you know cause jj to pause the movie probably 30 times uh do we need as much of that but (laughs) maybe not but at least for me it was balanced by these moments where we get into the psychology of of what's going on that gives the opportunity to to think about how how do we let this happen how do we you know or how do we stop this from continuing to happen? How do we address this and, you know, do something for the troops so that it's, there is some moral compass, there is some responsibility, but again, then you're going to have, you know, people like Deeks that say, well, yeah, but this is war and everyone out there is an enemy, you know, okay, Brigman, you, you don't want to do this, then, you know, okay, if you get killed, you know, or is it, you know, we kill, you know, one of them or they kill 10 of us, you know, are you okay with that? And that there's no easy you know, algebra to resolve this equation of what's, you know, what's the right exchange rate for this. And for me, that's what makes this really uh, compelling. And again, it's it's not my favorite type of film, but I was pleasantly surprised because it's been something that's just been on my mind all weekend as I've just been thinking about this film of this is, I'm so surprised this film didn't get more attention, particularly since it's based on a true story that hit the press you know, as this trial was coming up and, you know, as we see in the documentary, as he's getting close to his his trial date, it hits the news and he's thinking, OK, his parents are like, OK, this is easy. Now everybody knows the story. The military clearly cannot convict him, you know, for this as all of these other details are coming out. Uh, but again, you know, media cycle has a short think- attention span and it's been forgotten. I don't even know yeah. if it's that. I think I think so many people are have have brought it in to be this kind of acceptable evil and that's the thing that makes me most sad about it you know going back to this like to the abu Ghraib things and and stuff like this it's just i i I have personal and like history of knowing that this kind of stuff goes on uh because of of soldiers that i know and it's it's terrible it's it this is a a a a, a much more terrible application of what we saw in a, in in a few good men and it happens regularly and they mention that in the documentary these guys are caught these guys are convicted they were all mm. sent to jail but it happens everywhere in yeah they war, said we were the ones that got okay. caught yeah we yeah, were the ones that got it's caught it's okay. going on all over the place we just got caught doing it right yeah exactly which was just my my stomach sank at that point because yeah. i thought 
yes, he's absolutely right. Because, and again, even in the documentary, they mentioned this after the first, first murder, they come back and they, with their story and everybody's high-fiving and, you know, the sort of this, the unspoken, you know, understanding is, yeah, we know they went out and they framed, you know, they did a weapon drop and they, they killed this guy. They're not really heroes, but we all know that, but we're all just amped because somebody got to see some action and that's, you know, it's heart wrenching and sickening. They're just hunting. And, They're treating yes, it like sport. Yes, it's yes, terrible. Yes, exactly. Ugh, what a downer. Ugh, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, we... Yeah, so if you have some people that want to, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that want some talking points for their anti-war sentiment, mm-hmm. that is who you should recommend this film to. Yeah, okay. <laughs> because go. it's based on a I true story. This... It really happened, and it belongs in any anti-war sentiment. Yes. This is probably a, a good film to recommend to anyone who's just completely one-sided on America's doing great things in other countries and hoorah and all of that, because that's, it's not. And again, I I think it's naive to completely just blame soldiers in the situation. I think it's to blame the policy, to blame our um, intrusion into certain things that we don't belong. And yeah. yeah, No, and I, I would, I really think, you know, having watched the documentary after, I think it is a, a great double feature because they think the, the documentary is like 70 something minutes long. Kill Team is 90 something. It's easy to put the two of them together and actually sit somebody down and watch, you know, because they'll say, oh, well, that's just a movie. They're making it up. That's that's Hollywood, you know, Hollywood liberal argument, the anti-war arguments. Then watch the doc, watch the documentary and see how yeah. much of this is based on fact. See what's going on. See the so parents <laughs> basically say they're they're setting up our son. He's a scapegoat. It's all the enlisted men that are taking the fall. Nobody above a certain rank is accountable for anything. And it's all these right. young guys that are taking the fall for everything. And they're the victims of all yeah. this. And it is and the just, sergeant. The sergeant's yeah. gone g- goes away for, yeah. for life. Yeah. But he's pretty young, too, to be yes. honest. Oh, like yeah. He's not a high ranking mm. person. Right. He doesn't. His accountability does not make up for the, the bad policy by and, any means. And Tommy, to your point about Rob Morrow and dad. Dad, you know, they have an interview with, with the dad and he's like, as soon as I found this out, I tried calling and I got voicemail and I have messages here. He's like, he tried oh, every really? single department. He tried the CID here. He tried the CID here. He even tried the chaplain, you know. I would have appreciated a little bit yes, of that in it, the movie because I just, I was, I was always just like, why are the parents always having right. so here's, your it son would have been, it is would see more trouble. effort on his part of like on the call, yes. you know, trying to get through to somebody you know, to get something that could have been a neat little matching suspense from Magoo always being caught in everything. Well, I think what they decided to play in the movie instead was the dad's, um, the dad got to the point that, uh, that Brigman got to too, which is nobody's going to help me. So I need to just get my head down and get home. And the dad got to that point too. And he has some reluctance about that. He says, he says, maybe if I would have tried harder, we would have been able to stop this before my son got into the last murder situation, which is actually what, this is in the documentary, which is is actually what put him away. So the, the, the fact that he ends up participating in this final murder is why, Brigman Winfield in the yeah. in, in the actual right. thing gets put on trial as well. And so the dad feels a lot of regret. I said reluctance, but regret yeah. oh, about wow. that because he thinks if he would have just kept going, pushing harder. Yeah. And so I think that's what they decided to show in, in the film instead of all the calls and voicemails mm-hmm. that Steve's talking about and even trying to get to the chaplain. But nobody would help him. Which even more just, uh, you know, that's and I think he, he did, finally did get through to one person and they said okay it's your son's word against everybody else there's nothing i can do unless you've got somebody else that's going to say something i right. can't do anything yeah. with this and then eventually they got yeah. somebody else yeah so oh well yeah so any <laughs> any te- okay so i want to speak to each of your sort of strengths so jj anything visually that stood out for you in this one i couldn't I it, I, I know because you were notice, pausing it so much, right? Re, well, and I, yeah, well, there's that. But I mean, I didn't really notice a whole lot of artful camera, to be honest, in this yeah. film. I, I, it 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 
the interesting thing about it paired with the documentary is that um, that this film isn't shot in a real sort of artistic way. It's right. really kind of set up to show us the story. And now that we know that the story is t- taken word from word from the, from the documentary and that the director, you know, writer yeah. director, same uh, same person, I, I kind of feel like that's what they were doing here. I didn't find a whole lot of uh, interesting thing from a camera perspective in this film. I, there was one that I liked, maybe because the scene was going on so interminably long. I liked a change, but when he is doing the forever march out to check the oh, target, okay. yeah. that when they're slowly ramping it up and they're like, achoo, and he's like, quit it and stuff, that it, at one point, once he's like far enough away, you lose the sight of all the soldiers and behind you just him. just see him. And yeah. it's just his That's face. Smart. And that noticeably ramped up, ramped up the tension. That was a very... Um, economical way to put him in. I didn't really believe they were going to kill him because I'd see the trailer. But did yeah. you? Um, but I mean, but I, that really, I, it was impossible for me not to clench up. It was almost like without violins playing in a horror movie, <laughs> that was a way of like waiting for yeah. a jump scare, which was, right. I thought it was a really smart way to do okay. it. I like that. Any other, you know, sort of, you know, as a filmmaker, Tommy, anything that you, you saw noted strengths that you would have done it differently. I, I was more, <laughs> no, I, uh, I was more, I really, one of the things that I also found the most interesting was the evolution that was kind of dropped, unfortunately, a little quickly for me, of Skarsgård becoming a father mm, figure. Okay. And as his his real father is like, we haven't heard you for right. two weeks. Like him really wanting to, and me feeling like his initial rivalry with that other soldier wasn't because of morality yet. He wanted to please his army yeah. ready, which I think is really interesting to put. Yeah. That's another facet of like getting in these people's mm-hmm. heads about why they do what they do that dribbles to a close pretty quickly, unfortunately. Yeah. But I was really interested in that. And the end is the very, very end. The looking straight at the camera was very heavy handed. And I was a fan. Oh, cool. I liked it. I like okay. that kind of almost overly melodramatic. Who's to say I'm giving it right. up to the audience. I've always kind of been a fan yeah. of that. I thought that was nicely done. Yeah. Yeah. Very Snowden. That's very Snowden. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, it is. It's a film. It would have been cool if the actual it... Snowden also showed right. up in this one and was like, "Get a load of this guy." And you're like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, there is a whistleblower. Key. There you are. Okay, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but I think it is. It is a film that's there <laughs> yeah. to to pose a question. The real Brigman shows up yeah. and it's like, "Wow, was I in it?" Yeah, sorry, but but it is. It's a film that I think is telling a story to really engage with the audience, to ask them questions, to to challenge them to. Correct. To take action of some sort, you know, to make a decision to, to really question and think about things that are uncomfortable to think about. And so for me, that is the strength of the film. And for me, it's a great way to wrap up our our war trilogy with a really solid war film that really did delve into sort of the, the complexities, whereas our other two, I, th- I think we... An interesting progression I hadn't really thought about, you know, in terms of the wall just being really just a war setting and more of a little psychological thriller type of thing. And then yellow bird sort of attempting to get into there, you know, into the psychology of all that and just having some stumbles with how it, it handled that to this one, which I think really just confronted head on. And I guess the strength being, you know, based on an actual story that this writer director had spent so much time on to really bring that there. So I'd say my favorite of all of all three for our little war trilogy. The last thing I would say about this movie is if you're interested in the story, I would say watch the documentary first, because I think that actually would really? give you a, okay. a little more of that root into reality. Uh, and then you might appreciate the way that it is dramatized more as opposed to watching the dramatization and then connecting all the dots when you go back to the documentary. I think I think that would increase your enjoyment of the story, because also after watching the documentary, you can decide if you want to see it dramatized or not, which I think is key as well for this. That's okay. No, I think that is a, a, a good point. We're going to continue with our controversial, I guess, or challenging subject matter. Uh, we're going to be tackling three films that deal with 
complex issues of race relations, I guess is the best way to say this. And we're going to be starting our next series with a film called Skin, which is available to stream on Amazon Prime and Canopy. And this is the story of, uh, I think, one of the most like heinous white supremacists in American history and his, his transformation. Uh, that'll be our first in our series on, I guess, race relations in America. Uh, but for now, uh, any last words, JJ? Well, we're tackling all the hard issues, that's for sure. <laughs> Gear up. Yeah, trailer Rewind, keeping it light and beachy. There's more heaviness to come. <laughs> all right. And Tommy, we may see you in our next series if, if the schedules work out right for our, for our final film. Antebellum, Absolutely. Right. And then in, sandwiched in between those, we have, so we've got Skin, um, the uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, and then Antebellum are our next three coming up. So. Excellent. All right. Well, I want to thank all of our listeners out there for listening to Trailer Rewind. Hopefully this has helped you uh, make some decisions on if this is a film for you. Uh, thank you, everybody. And Honda. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.